You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for today's broadcast. We thank you for this series, Walking in the Spirit, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to the the podcast today. And we thank you that we are your temple, that you have made us your home, and that you are real, that you are with us, that you are in us, and that you are upon us. And it's because of your presence in our lives that we can know the Father, we can know Jesus, and we can know you. We're so grateful for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Father and of Jesus and of you. We thank you for your grace that rests upon us, Lord, that empowers us each and every moment, that always causes us to triumph and has made us to be more than conquerors in Christ. We thank you for making us a new creation, Holy Spirit. And we thank you just for your communion. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for the way that you remind us of who we are in Christ and, and convict us of our righteousness, God. You you remind us that we are holy, that we are blameless, and that we are in union with Jesus 24-7. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to take the lead today. Speak to every single person. Speak through me today. Uh, Renew our minds. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding so that we will know the hope of our calling. You take the reins and you take this podcast in the direction that you want it to go. We just declare that there is breakthrough here today and that this message is a word in due season for every single person that is tuning in and listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. Well, I'm back after a week-long cruise. Uh, I just took um, several of, about 30 of us, actually, on a cruise. I think it was maybe 25 of us. I'm not sure how many, but it was a lot of us on a cruise. We went on a cruise with John Crowder. It was called the Religious Detox Cruise, and we had a wonderful time in the presence of God and in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it was such a move of God, and I'm so grateful to have you know had that time away to uh, be with spiritual family and be in the presence of God, but I'm also really excited to be back today. And I'm coming back a little bit on fire just from some of the encounters that I had and just from sitting under such gospel goodness and hearing such wonderful messages from John Crowder and C. Baxter Kruger last week. And I really just want to jump off today, uh, just picking up where we left off with the last episode, but also incorporating some of the things that, I don't know, the Holy Spirit really highlighted to me on the trip. And so I want to remind us that The foundation scripture for this series has come out of Romans chapter 8, right? It's that scripture in Romans chapter 8, 814, that says, those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And we have covered that scripture quite a bit over the previous episodes, but today I really want to talk about this idea of being led by the Spirit and what that actually, uh, what that feels like, what that looks like in a practical sense. Because sometimes, you know, I've talked a lot already about what it means to be a son versus a babe in Christ. I've talked about the maturing process in, in Christ. But today I want to talk practically about the, just our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about how real that is and how important that is and how empowering that is in our lives. And I also hopefully am going to 
remember to incorporate some of the things that I'm, I'm just watching happening in the body of Christ right now. I don't know how many of you are following the reports of revival that are coming out of Asbury. Uh, I think that's how you say it in Kentucky, the university that's going on there. There's a, a move of the Holy Spirit that's happening there. And I don't know, there's just a lot in my heart today. So I'm just praying God's going to be able to, to make it all be clear and come out clear here. But I think the thing that I want to start with today is I want to talk about the realness of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about this person of the Trinity that sometimes is neglected um, in the sense that, I mean, I, in my own life, I grew up in the Baptist tradition and then I you know, was a Presbyterian for a while. I've been through several denominations, frankly. And I can tell you that it, it, for many, many decades of my life, I did not have really good teaching about the Holy Spirit. I didn't really understand the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I didn't understand the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. Honestly, it wasn't until my 30s that I started, I, I was, I, we've talked about this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I actually started to hear the voice of God and I started to desire and seek a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is the most encouraging person, the most loving person, the most powerful person that you will ever meet. And this concept that we can be led by the Holy Spirit every single day, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in our lives, that, that this is the real presence of God, okay? This is the very same Holy Spirit that was brooding on the waters when God said, let there be light and manifested God's words and created all that we see. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. It's the dunamis of God. It's the authority of God that rested on Jesus, that was in Jesus, working every single one of his miracles. It is the same Holy Spirit that is in us right now. And because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Jesus said we could do the same works and, and even greater works because we have the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, the, Jesus was talking to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he was telling them that even though he was going away, that it was a good thing. It was a good thing that he was going away because if he didn't go away, then the, the comforter wouldn't come. And I love the description of the Holy Spirit in John 16 in the Amplified Version because it really amplifies just the nature of the Holy Spirit. And it describes the Holy Spirit as comforter, as standby, as intercessor, as strengthener. There's just a beautiful description of, of the attributes of the Holy Spirit in that scripture in John 16. And I just want to tell you that developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit is one of the most powerful uh, empowering things that will ever, ever happen in your life. And for those of you that are new to the Holy Spirit or new to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you, buckle up because walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is an adventure of a lifetime. And when I say that the Holy Spirit is the most encouraging person that you've ever met, I really want to, to take a moment about this because and talk about this because I think so many Christians think that God is sin focused, that God is sin conscious, and that it's part of the Holy Spirit's job, you know, almost like Santa Claus to like, you know, have a list of naughty and nice and check, check it twice, right? Where he's like, 
you know, totally tracking us. And, and anytime we sin, like, you know, bopping us on the head, like one of those games at Chuck E. Cheese. But you guys, that is not the way the Holy Spirit thinks. That's not the holy way the Holy Spirit works. And it is not the function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does convict us, but he convicts us of righteousness, not of sin, but of righteousness. And so I want to jump in today and talk a little bit about that, because if we can't discern the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of condemnation, then we will have a really hard time being led by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. If we cannot uh, tell the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is a voice of encouragement, which is a voice that convicts us of righteousness and the voice of the accuser that convicts us and condemns us, then we will have a really hard time uh, developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I want to take us into John 16 today. And I want to begin reading. I'm reading in the New Living Translation from John 16, verse 5. And this is what where Jesus is talking is to his disciples, uh, not too uh, soon. Not it was just about when he was about to go to the cross. Okay, and so here's what it says here. It says, "But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away." Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And so I'm going to stop here. And so I pulled up the New Living Translation on purpose here because instead of saying the Holy Spirit and translating that in, as the Holy Spirit, Jesus calls here in the New Living Translation, the Holy Spirit, the advocate. Okay, so what is an advocate? An advocate is for you. Okay, the accuser is against you. The accuser is the one that's constantly pointing out what we're doing wrong, right? It accuses us. It accuses us in a sense apart from Christ. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know, and for any length of time, you, you've heard me talk about this, right? We are one with Jesus and our righteousness is because of our union with Jesus. We are one. We are, we are inside of Christ. Christ is inside of us. And because of our union, we are righteous. Our faith in Jesus has made us righteous. Our belief in Jesus, our, our hearing of the good news and our awakening to the new birth, our, the revealing of Jesus within us has what's made, is what has made us righteous. And the enemy is always trying to, to point out and convict us uh, that we're not righteous. He's the one that is sin conscious. The enemy is the one uh, and our own conscience is the one that is trying to accuse us of not being righteous, of, of what we are doing wrong. It causes sin consciousness in our lives. But the Holy Spirit is our advocate. Our Holy Spirit is for us. In fact, let me keep reading here because you're going to hear that the Holy Spirit's conviction is that you are one with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's conviction is that you are holy, that you are innocent, that you are blameless, that you are a new creation. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of who we are in Christ. And so these voices that we hear inside of our heads, we need to understand what is the leading of the Holy Spirit and what is the accusation of the enemy. Okay. So it says, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness 
is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Okay, I'm going to stop here for a moment and I'm going to pull this up in just a couple of other translations. Okay, so let me pull it up in the voice translation really quick. And let me go there to that same scripture. Verse six again, it says, I know that hearing news like this is overwhelming and sad, but the truth is my departure will be a gift that will serve you well. Because if I don't leave, the great helper will not come to your aid. Again, I'm going to stop here because I love reading the scriptures and different translations because it just helps you really understand more clearly what is the heart behind the scriptures. And here, the Holy Spirit is now the great helper, right? In the New Living Translation, it was advocate. In, the, in this translation, in the voice translation, it's helper. So every time I'm reading these descriptions of the Holy Spirit, I want you to get a, a, a really clear idea that the Holy Spirit is for you. He is your helper. In fact, in the mirror translation, did you know that the Holy Spirit is actually, um, instead of it saying he, it's translated as a she. Now, I'm not going to go into the theology around that. Get the mirror translation. Francois does a great, great um job of explaining that about the Greek being a feminine word in this scripture, but God has both feminine and, and masculine attributes. And so the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And so the Holy Spirit is a nurturer. Uh, the Holy Spirit has the attributes of the motherhood of God. And so when we think of our mothers, I want you to think about that. I don't want to blow your theological minds right now. I just want you to grab the point that the Holy Spirit is is the sweetest person you will ever meet. The Holy Spirit is the most encouraging. The Holy Spirit believes the best. The Holy Spirit is always seeing the best in us, seeing the Jesus in us. And so that's so important if you're going to grab the ministry of the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tie this into what I, I really I'm excited about, about this awakening and some of this revival talk that's going on in Asbury, but I want to also talk about it and some of the things that disturbs me when I see a revival culture and people chasing after a move of God. And I'll talk about that in a moment as well. But here it says, if I don't leave, the great helper will not come to your aid. When I leave, I will send him to you. And when he arrives, he will uncover the sins of the world, expose unbelief as sin, and allow all to see their sins in light of righteousness for the first time. I'm going to read that again. That's verse eight and nine. It says, when he arrives, he will uncover the sins of the world, expose unbelief as sin, Okay, so the the sin that is being uh, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of is unbelief in Jesus. Okay, that that's the only sin that we will ever be convicted of is that we don't believe in Jesus. Okay, it's not like a a naughty and nice list that the Holy Spirit's going down convicting everybody of their behavior. No, there's either righteousness in Christ or there's unrighteousness apart from Christ. But the entire universe has been reconciled to Christ in Christ. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. And so the Holy Spirit is convicting the world that, hey, Jesus is righteous. Jesus is the son of God. And you have been reconciled to the father. So the Holy Spirit's job is to separate unrighteousness and righteousness in light of the cross, in light of righteousness in Jesus. And there is no righteousness 
righteousness apart from God. There is no righteousness apart from Jesus. So there is either righteousness in Jesus or unrighteousness apart from Jesus. But beloved, we're not apart from Jesus. We're in Christ. We've been baptized into Christ. We were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We have been risen with Christ. We have ascended with Christ. We're now seated in heavenly places inside of Christ. We are co-identified with Christ. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of that reality and to let you know that you are no longer apart from Christ. You are no longer unrighteous. And of course, the the accuser does the opposite. The accuser comes to accuse you, a you that has been crucified, frankly, a you that no longer exists, to test you to see, do you know who you are? Are you righteous in Christ or are you self-righteous? Are you trying to be righteous and good apart from Christ? Because there is no such thing. Okay, it says here, it says that, When he arrives, he will uncover the sins of the world, expose unbelief as sin, and allow all to see their sins in light of righteousness for the first time. In verse 10, it says this, this new awareness of righteousness is important. Let me say that again. This new awareness of righteousness, meaning this definition of righteousness, this new definition of righteousness. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to people who were under the law and under the law. Right. Righteousness was was based upon works. It was based upon obeying the law or breaking the law, which no man could do. Right. That's why they had a sacrificial system, because no one was perfect in and of themselves. And so there was this new awareness of righteousness. There's this new righteousness, this new covenant that was coming, that Jesus was completing for us. He was fulfilling the law and he was completing everything that would ever have to be uh done for righteousness to be available to us. And now the Holy Spirit is the one that is revealing this new righteousness to us. And this awareness of righteousness, Jesus says here, is important because he is going to the Father and will no longer be present with you. Verse 11, it says, the Spirit will also carry my judgment because the one who rules in this world has already been defeated. Now, this word judgment is another word that I feel like a lot of people get get caught up on, right? Because we feel like God is judging us. But again, what was judged on the cross was sin. What was judged on the cross was Satan. What was judged on the cross was unrighteousness apart from Jesus. And so the, the judgment of God now is that you are righteous. The judgment of God is now that the devil is unrighteous and defeated. Jesus says in Matthew 28 that all authority and all power have been given unto him, meaning there's nothing left for the enemy. He has been defeated. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. We no longer dwell in darkness. We no longer have a dual nature. We no longer have a sin nature. Sin has been extracted out of us in our co-crucifixion with Jesus. And so if sin has been extracted out of us, why would the Holy Spirit be reminding us when our minds forget that, that we are sinners? No, he's reminding us of the new creation. He's convicting us of righteousness, righteousness. He's reminding us that the enemy has been judged. And this is an encouraging voice. This is a, uh, 
a prophetic voice that is declaring the gospel to you over and over and over and over again, reminding you of the truth, reminding you of who you are. Okay. It says this in verse 12, it says, I have much more to say, but you cannot absorb it right now. The spirit of truth in verse 13, it says the spirit of truth will come and guide you into all truth. Okay. This is such an important thing to notice that the Holy Spirit's job, he is the helper. He is the advocate. He is the comforter, right? He is the intercessor. He is the encouragement of God that is guiding you into the truth. What truth? The truth of the gospel, the truth of who you are in Christ, the truth that you are holy, the truth that you are blameless, the truth that you have been made new, the truth that you have been co-crucified, the truth that you are one with Jesus, the truth that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, the truth that he dwells within you, the truth that you can hear his voice, the truth that you've been redeemed, the truth that you are now a citizen of heaven, the truth that you've been made new, right? These are amazing things. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal the gospel to you, to reveal the new creation to you, to, to train you in righteousness, to instruct you in righteousness. And he's telling you that you are a, a joint heir with Jesus, that you are that you are perfect, that you are holy. When God said, when Jesus said, be holy as I am holy, he wasn't trying to tell people that they could be holy apart from him. That's impossible. There is none holy except for God. But now that we dwell in Christ, now that we're associated in Christ, now that we've been crucified with Christ, we are hidden now in Christ. And Jesus's resurrection to new life is our new life. We are brand new creatures and we are holy too. And so the Holy Spirit is encouraging us and teaching us the gospel. He is leading us into all truth. And this is so exciting because it's, this is what it says. It says he will not speak his own words to you. In other words, he will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will encourage you. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit will will enlighten your eyes. The Holy Spirit grants unto you revelation and wisdom and knowledge of the new birth and who you are in Christ. It says he will not speak his own words to you, but he will speak what he hears, revealing to you the things to come and bringing glory to me. Listen to this. It says the spirit has unlimited access to me. To all that I possess and know, just as everything the Father has is mine. Listen to this, you guys. It says, this is the reason I am confident he will care for my own and reveal the path to you. It says, for a little while, in a little while, you will not see me. But after that time, a time will come when you will see me again. Okay, I want to read this in one more translation in the Amplified Version. And I want to read... Uh, the way that the Amplified Version amplifies and expands the description of the Holy Spirit here. Okay, in verse 7, it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, listen to these words, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, 
Okay, these are very beautiful descriptions of the Holy Spirit and the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. And there is not a single description of the Holy Spirit as one who, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside of you that is negative. Okay, the negative voice of condemnation, if you hear that, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the voice of the accuser. And the voice of the accuser is always accusing a you that has already been crucified. But until we grow in our discernment of that and our ability to, to recognize that the gospel is good news about our recreation in Christ, we can fall under the the illusion of separation from God, and we can actually come under condemnation, right? In Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says, there is now no for, therefore no condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, right? We are in Christ Jesus. And if you are being condemned or you are feeling guilty, guilt is not from the Holy Spirit. Guilt is absolutely from the accuser. And the accuser is a lawyer. The accuser is a legalist. The accuser wants to bring you back under the law. He wants to make you try to be righteous in and of yourself by performing good works or failing at good works. And he wants you to have a relationship with rules and so to relationship relationship with with the ruler, which is Jesus. He wants you to have a performance-driven relationship with God, a performance-driven relationship with yourself, and a performance-driven relationship with other people. But beloved, we are not under the law. We are under grace. And the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed us from the law of sin and death. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to remind you of that over and over and over and over again, as many times as it takes and as many creative ways as you need until you get this. Okay. So as I keep reading here, it says this, it says, comforter, advocate, helper, counselor, strengther, standby, right? Holy, that is who Jesus sent to us. It says, but if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. And it says, and he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior, meaning that there's no righteousness apart from Jesus. He will convict the world, those that don't know Jesus, of look, look, you can't do it. You can't perform. You can't be perfect. You know what? I mean, that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. It's already condemned. Why? Because the law condemns. The law is the strength of sin. Okay. But then he says, and about righteousness, he will convict the world about righteousness and of judgment. It says about sin and the true nature of it, because they don't believe in me and my message about righteousness, about about, it says personal integrity and godly character. I hate that translation because righteousness doesn't exist. Personal integrity and godly character does not exist apart from Jesus. It doesn't exist. If so, that's pharisaical. If so, that's self-righteousness. Okay. And this is so sneaky, you guys. In our translations, I'll tell you, that's why I read it in so many. It's why I encourage you guys to get the mirror translation and get the passion translation and get a, a translation that actually dives into some of these Greek words a little deeper. I tell you, we just get spoon fed unrighteousness in some of these translations. And it says, 
because I'm going to my father and you will no longer see me about judgment and the certainty of it, because the ruler of this world, Satan has been judged and condemned. Let me tell you, if you want to know who's been judged and condemned, Satan has been judged and condemned. And because of that, he's a judger and he's a condemner, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is all about judgment. It's all about judgment independent from God and independence from God is the sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of. It is the sin that entered the world when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They 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 came under the illusion of separation from God. They decided that they began to believe that they were independent. All right. And they began to hide and shame from the presence of God because they were now unworthy and they saw that they were naked. And the self-consciousness entered the planet because righteousness consciousness was no longer the default identity that they operated under. And the Holy Spirit has come as the as the representation of Jesus in our lives. He is that, that is the Christ in us that is here that came on the day of Pentecost that was poured out on all flesh and now lives in inside of us to convict us that we are righteous, that we are new and to encourage us in and, and lead us into all truth and to direct us and guide us and be with us every single moment of every single day. And again, uh, it says here in verse 12 that Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear to hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will come speak what he hears from the father, the message regarding the son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he is the Holy Spirit. He will take what is mine and he will disclose it to you. Okay, it says all things that the Father has are mine. And because of this, I, uh, because of this, I said that he, the Spirit, will take what is mine and reveal it to you. So the Holy Spirit is the revealer of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of your inheritance in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of heaven on earth. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of Christ in us. He unveils Christ in us. You guys remember that I told you that the Holy Spirit gave me a meditation project. I don't know if you've heard that podcast or I've said it so many times, but he gave me a meditation project. He said, I want you to meditate on the scripture Christ in you for a whole year. And at the time, I didn't even really know what biblical meditation was. And so the Holy Spirit taught me. He said, I want you to go stand in front of the mirror and I want you to look in the mirror until you can see Jesus staring back at you because you are the reflection of Jesus. Again, I didn't know anything about, you know, imagining. I didn't know the, the role of the imagination in meditation. I didn't know the role of the imagination in prayer, but the Holy Spirit taught me. He led and gui guided me into the truth of Christ in me. And as I began to stare at that mirror and I began to imagine through the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, go look at Revelation chapter one, because the resurrected King Jesus lives in you. And I went and read Revelation chapter one, and I saw that Jesus had a hair white like wool and a face that shines, shines like the sun and his eyes were fire and his feet were like burnished bronze. And the Holy Spirit was getting so excited because he was like, yes, this is the one that's alive in you. The resurrected King is in 
inside of you. And guys, I began to imagine. I began to get a hold of it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And things began to happen in my life. Sin began to fall off my life. Miracles began to break out. Why? Because of a revelation of Christ in me. And the Holy Spirit is the one, the one that leads us into this revelation. It is not about convicting me of sin. The Holy Spirit wasn't taking me to the mirror and saying, now look, you did XX and X wrong and this habit and this sin and this sin. You know what makes sin fall off? Righteousness. Righteousness conscious makes sin fall away. Meditating that Christ is in you is what makes us act holy because we sin is an identity problem. Righteousness is an identity solution. It's a sin solution. And the Holy Spirit is here to solve the problem of sin through the cross, but through righteousness, you guys, through righteousness. And I will tell you, he is a, a, a he, she is a beautiful, beautiful person, a beautiful part of the Godhead, a glorious part of the Godhead. And that is our inheritance, you guys. We have been sealed in the Holy Spirit. And that fellowship is so precious. The presence of God is so real. I tell you, even as I'm talking right now, it's like my, my feet are on fire. My hands are on fire. Why? Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves the gospel. The Holy Spirit loves to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit loves to remind you of the gospel and encourage you to say, beloved, you are just like Jesus. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. Believe the gospel. Believe that Christ is in you. Believe that I am with you. Believe that I am holy. And I will tell you, the Holy Spirit has done this for me, you guys, when I was at the worst, when I was in, in bondage to the, to, to the worst degree. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit never came to me as a condemner. He never, he will never come to you as an accuser. He will say, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. <laughs> he will remind you that when, when you are weak, that grace is strong, that it's made perfect in weakness. He will tell you that my power, my glory is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you, beloved. He will preach the gospel to you. Oh my goodness. In your darkest hour, in your, in, when you are lost and lost in your, your, your own separation from God, he will find you and he will lift you up. He will, he will remind you and teach you the gospel like no other person on the planet. The Holy Spirit knows you from the inside out, knows your thoughts from afar, knows how you understand things, knows, you know, if I bring out my little rubber band ball, you guys know the Holy Spirit. That's the picture he gave of me. He's like, you've got more, more problems than a math book, girl. He's like, but you're like this little rubber band ball. You can't get yourself out of this. Nobody can get themselves out of the, 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 the messed up programming of the world and the sin consciousness that's been wrapped around us since the fall. But the Holy Spirit knows how to set us free and lead us into the truth and lead us into a revelation of the gospel that is real for us. And so I guess the last thing I really want to say tonight and I, I'm, I'm, or today, it's not tonight, but is that I, I'm, I'm excited about what I'm, I'm hearing about the, the reports of revival, you know, that are happening in Kentucky and, and different places on universities around, around the world. I also want to say these are evangelical campuses for the most part. There's charismatic stuff going on too. But I, I just want to say something about it, you guys, especially after coming off this cruise and spending I mean, just a glorious week, just sitting in the gospel of Christ in us, that we've been included, that Christ is in us. I'll tell you, when I see young people 
repenting over and over of their sins and crying out for the for God. I know that it, it, part of us is like rejoicing because of their hunger for God. But part of me is so grieved because they don't realize that Christ is already in them, that they have been made new, that they, that we're not trying to get inside of Jesus, that the veil has been torn and that they're already inside. And I know the futility. I know the, the frustration of being in a relationship with God that comes and goes where revival comes and goes. And I know the difference when, when you, you have been revived. You guys, we have been revived in Christ. And when we understand that the presence of the Holy Spirit abides in us, that, that he doesn't leave us, that he doesn't um, come and go, uh, that, that, it's, it, that, that the only thing that comes and goes is our awareness of it. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit that he meets us where we are. And I'm grateful for the outpouring that's happening and the baptisms of the Holy Spirit that is happening and just the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are happening. I'm, I, please don't mishear me. I'm grateful for those things, but I'm also grieved. I want to stand up in the middle of that and just say, listen, beloved, Christ is in you. I want to preach the gospel to the generation, you guys. And I want us all to get it. I want us to get it, that the move of God has already happened. It happened 2,000 years ago. When Jesus came out of the grave, there was a brand new creation that came out of the grave, you guys. I mean, everything has been reconciled to Christ. They are reconciled. They have the fullness of the Godhead living inside of them. Jesus is alive in them. The only difference is that they haven't stood in front of the mirror and seen scary Jesus staring back at them yet. And I will tell you, the gospel comes alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. So praise God for what's happening. But I just want you guys to know you don't have to chase revival. You don't have to go to, I mean, yes, go where the Holy Spirit leads. I just came off a glorious time in a week in the presence of God with believers. It's beautiful. But let's be clear. I didn't, I, I, there wasn't an anointing that was special there. Right? The Holy Spirit went with me there. The Holy Spirit manifested there. And the Holy Spirit came home with me there. If, I, if anything needs to be revived, it's just my eyes need to be enlightened. That's why the Apostle Paul never prayed for revival. He just prayed that they would get a revelation, that we would get a revelation who lives in us and get a revelation of the new creation. The Apostle Paul says that it, it, it pleased God to unveil Christ in him. He just simply got a revelation that Christ was in him. That is what the new birth is. It's a revelation that Christ is in you. Right? It's not Jesus jumping into you at an altar call. It's the revelation of the reconciliation that Jesus accomplished on the cross. We are included, you guys. We are, we are seated right now in heavenly places, right next to the Father, which we're also in too. It's a mystery. I get it. How can we be bi-locational? How can I be sitting in my office and seated in heaven at the same time? I don't know, but it doesn't make it not true. It's true. We are literally seated in Christ in the place of all rule, of all authority. We are seated there right now. And guess what's at the right hand of the Father? Pleasures forevermore. We are seated in the place of our God's favor, of the Father's pleasure. We are in him. Okay. And I'm just going to wrap up with a scripture just in case you don't believe me. I'm going to wrap up with a scripture from... uh uh, the Passion Translation, and it's in Colossians chapter one. I know I read this one a lot, but I need to read it in light of what I'm sharing today. But in Colossians chapter three, verse one, 
in the Passion Translation, listen to what it says, you guys. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Man, just let's read that again. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Listen to this. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. Let me say it again. Your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. In verse four, listen to this. It says, and as Christ himself as seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. Let me say it again. You are now one with him and his glory. And guess what? That's exactly how the Holy Spirit sounds. Okay. That's exactly what happened to me as I stood in front of the mirror and started to see the resurrected King Jesus living inside of me. That as Christ was seen for who he really is, who is he? He's the one seated with at, at the place of all power and all authority and all dominion. And as he is seen as who he really is, it says who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him and his glory. And so beloved, you've got to almost know the gospel to really, really recognize the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you when these things were new to me, it was shocking, right? I had grown up under a a gospel that was not necessarily good news, okay? I had grown up basically believing that I was a worm, that I was a sinner, barely saved. I mean, really only saved, as, as saved as my last confession. I mean, I wasn't Catholic, but you would have thought that I was because we got saved every Sunday, right? We rededicated our life over and over and over. We were constantly repenting, so sin conscious, so separated from God conscious, had no idea what real righteousness was, had no idea about really what the Holy Spirit was, right? We, we, we say, I mean, maybe we sang songs about the Holy Spirit, but I didn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I just was constantly under condemnation and guilt. And I felt I was depressed. I had anxiety. I, heck, I had mental illness. Why? Because of the level of self-loathing, the level of shame that I had. And I was in agreement, so-called, I thought I was in agreement with God. I thought it was humble to say that I was a sinner. I thought it was humble to agree with God. You know, I thought that was what it meant to agree with God, right? That I, I tried to be, no matter how hard I tried to be good, I couldn't be good. I mean, when I read the Bible, all I saw is what I wasn't. But now all I read, when I read the Bible, all I see is what I am, what I am in Christ, and I'll tell you what, it makes all the difference in the world. And so if there's going to be true revival in this country, there's going to have to be a revelation of Christ in us. If the body of Christ is going to rise to its position of prominence in the earth, then there's going to have to be an unveiling of Christ in us. And beloved, I want to tell you, I'm not against moves of the Holy Spirit. Hey, the Holy Spirit knows how to do what he needs to do when he needs to do it. And I'm rejoicing over what he's doing. I'm rejoicing that he met me where I was. And he meets people where they are. But if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to know that revival is in you, that the Holy Spirit is in you. 
And you have the same exact spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. You are right now holy. You are right now complete. And as you begin to meditate on the gospel, you begin to acknowledge the truth. You begin to be led by the Holy Spirit. You begin to hear his voice of encouragement and you hear the truth that he wants to speak to you. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a revelation that Christ is in you. You're going to start to rise up in righteousness and you're going to start to resist the voice of condemnation and resist the voice of guilt and not come under that stuff anymore because you will realize that the you that's being condemned was crucified with Christ and that there there is no such thing as a you that exists apart from Christ now. The illusion of separation will be swallowed up by the revelation of union and your union with Jesus, beloved, is where life is found. It's where the voice of God, you can, man, you just can hear it clearly. Why? You're righteous. You're one with God. You have the mind of Christ. You have the perceptions of Christ. I mean, if you can't hear God, you're like, well, come on, get back into Christ. Okay, our life is hidden in Jesus. I mean, of course I can hear Jesus because I'm inside of Jesus. I'm his body. Of course, the body can hear the head. The body responds to the head. I'm moving my hands right now because why? The head is leading what I'm doing. Why? Because we're one. And that's how it feels when you're led by the Spirit. It's oneness, you guys. It's an inside out. It's it's a seamless integration where you are just in fellowship and in communion. And the presence of God shows up anytime you just say, hi, Dad. (laughs) Hi, Holy Spirit. Hi, Jesus. And you worship. And is there resistance to this? I mean, do you sometimes have to press into it? Sure. But that's why we've been given the baptism of the Holy Spirit so we can get out of our minds, so we can step into the supernatural 24-7, pray in the Spirit, and step right back into the Spirit. So, beloved, I know I said a lot on this podcast today. (laughs) I hope it made sense. And I do also encourage you if, again, to get the mirror translation if you don't have it. I mean, I, I'm i at the place, honestly, in my my discussion of the, the Holy Spirit, and maybe I'll do it in this next episode, which I think is the last one, where I will actually break down a little bit more about the, the female attributes of Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what, we've been done a big disservice with a lot of the translations of our Bibles. And as a female, and as someone who, uh, you know, just for whatever reason... <laughs> what I want to say about this, Lord. I need to wait until I want to say what I want to say about it. Um, I just want to say, I'll just say this. I can relate uh, to the attributes of the Holy Spirit as a female, as a mother. And I think that that's a real missing link in the body of Christ. Because when you have only male voices, and I'm not saying there's there's lots of women, obviously, that are sharing. There's lots of, I'm not the only woman, for goodness sake. Please hear my heart on that. But I will tell you, when it's a male-dominated voice and they're male-dominated, you know, a, a patriarchal system, and that's the only representation that we get of God, we are doing a huge disservice in the revelation of who God is. And so I do encourage you to get the mirror translation. I do encourage you to open up your mind a little bit to realize that uh, the word that God uses for spirit in the Old Testament, whether it's, whether it's in the Hebrew or in the New Testament, both of those words are feminine, that uh, the words that are used even in Genesis to describe, you know, and God said, the, that word is actually plural, and you know, let us make God in our image. I mean, the Trinity is all throughout Scripture. Uh, the feminine attributes of God are all throughout Scripture. I mean, heck, God is called the many-breasted one. Okay, that's a that's a pretty female picture as well. But I will tell you, if you really, and I'm only sharing this to say, 
I want you to get the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about the nurturing aspects of the mothers of mothers, because the Holy Spirit is like our mother. The Holy Spirit, again, it transcends gender. It's not about gender. But at the same time, we understand things in terms of gender and the nurturing of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the, I mean, just, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but my mom was my biggest fan. I mean, I don't know if you had that same kind of relation with your mom, but I will tell you, for those of us that have been blessed with mothers like that, I'll tell you, it is a massive revelation. And I'll tell you when I lost my mom and she went, she graduated to heaven, Thank goodness for the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was able to come in and fill that role and heal my heart and take on those that role that my mom played. And guess what? Families are not just made up of fathers. They're not just made up of brothers, that there are females in our families and that it takes both male and female to actually uh, accurately represent the image of God. And guess what? There's neither male nor female in Christ. So it's it transcends gender, but it also is represented by gender. So I maybe I'll talk about that on the next episode. Again, for those of you that have never heard any of this before, I just pray that you won't tune me out just because it. some people think this is so sacrilegious. But beloved, the, 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 the scriptures are so rich. There is so much more to learn. I mean, I have been a student of the word now for almost 30 years, and I still feel like I'm a babe. I still feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface. I still feel like every, the more I learn, the more I don't know. And I'll tell you what, that's a place of humility. It's a place to, uh, uh, that you can be teachable when you just recognize that God is bigger than the boxes we put him in. He's bigger than the constructs that religion has put him in. He's bigger than... Uh, you know, the paradigms. I mean, he is, he is beyond description. His glory is beyond description. He is all places at, at once. <laughs> I mean, but yet indescribable in ways that, that, that we have to have other languages because our, 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 our human languages don't even do it justice. So God bless you. I know I had a mouthful for today, but I pray that it blesses you. I pray that you'll listen to it over and over again as the Holy Spirit leads you and that you will connect to the nurture, to the love, to the, the righteousness of God, that the Holy Spirit will comfort you and that he will be in, 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 more real to you, more real to the, you than your very own being. Because you are entangled with him, you are one with him, and every fiber of your being is completely entwined with his presence. So God bless you. I love you guys and have a glorious week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.